0: have you ever played the desert island game? Do you know it? I love the desert island game. If you're not familiar with it, the rules are super simple. People are asked to list three items that they would take if they knew they were going to be stranded on a desert island for like a significant amount of time. And now the answers that people give to that question, I always find so interesting. The really like pragmatic people, they always answer with something strategic like I would bring fruit and vegetable seeds so I could grow food to eat and I could use the wood from the fruit trees to burn to make fire so I could boil the salt water to purify it so I could drink it. Number two, I'd bring a Swiss army knife, of course, because it comes equipped with every necessary tool that you would need. And number three, I'd bring a tarp to provide shelter from the the scorching sun and and from the rain. Maybe it could double as like a fishing net. Boom, food, water, shelter, all the necessities for survival. Now the relational people usually answer it with something like, uh, I would bring my phone, right? So I can keep in touch with, with all my peeps. I guess I would need a solar charger for my phone to keep it alive so I could kind of record my experience for Instagram. And of course I would need a a really good data package as well. Now the really spiritual people usually say something like, oh, this is great, no food. I could like, I could fast, you know, grow closer to God. You know, a desert island is the perfect place for a little solitude and, and reflection. So all I really need would be my Bible, of course, maybe a pen in a journal to, to record all the insight that I'm receiving, and maybe my guitar as my third item so I could finally finish that, that worship song I've been working on. Now, for me, the answer is really easy. A helicopter, a helicopter pilot, and a good book to read on the way home, because, man, I am out of there. But it's an interesting question. What are the three most important things you need for survival? Like what three things would be the greatest gift to you when you face a challenge of isolation or danger? You know, think like of of like a care package. Okay, what three items might be important or a blessing to somebody if you were to create a care package for them? Right, like maybe for a new car owner, you might give them a gas card, a bucket with some cleaning supplies, and a personalized keychain. I don't know. For a sick person, a box of tissues, some chicken soup, and throat lozenges. Maybe for a university student, a care package might be a cookbook, a Starbucks gift card, and an, an air freshener for their dorm room, <laughs> if they're male. But but what about if you were going to speak a blessing over someone? What three things would you include in that blessing? Like what three pieces of advice might you pass on to your child if they were leaving your home to get married and start their own life? What would you say? What three things might you pray over your closest friend if they were leaving for a job that would take them to the other side of the world? What three things might you say to your spouse if you knew this was like the last time you were going to speak to them on this side of eternity? What would be your good word? You know, what three things would you say or pass on that would be the biggest blessing to someone you in love to ensure their safety and that they would thrive in life? See, that's our question today. Please turn in the New Testament to the book of Colossians chapter three. Would you do that with me? In Colossians three verses 15 to 17, we find a desert island blessing. Okay, now the book of Colossians is often referred to as the most relevant letter we have culturally to our modern experience of following Jesus. And the place where the, these ancient followers of Jesus lived, Colosse, was a desert island, okay? In, in many ways, the context in which the people who lived there found themselves is like ours, like not a desert island literally, but a desert island in many ways. The people were shipwrecked in terms of their identity, okay? Built on a historically busy trade route, Colosse was once a thriving trade city, known for its, its high quality uh, wool and textiles. But after the north-south road was moved west, so it would now pass through the larger city of Laodicea, the sun began to quickly set on Colosse as a major player in the ancient world. And so when they received this blessing, the place they lived was in sharp decline in terms of its relevance. Have you ever felt irrelevant, forgotten, like your best days are behind you? Well, hang on. Okay, because they were also shipwrecked spiritually. Their proximity to the nearby highways ensured that the Colossians were exposed to all the latest ideas from the many travelers that, that traveled on those highways which then were mixed together with other ideas. And thus the Christian church was subject to all kinds of other religious movements and and strange doctrine and, and thought. They were being bombarded with all these isms that were bringing confusion and deception and actually leading them away from their freedom in Christ. Ritualism, legalism, Gnosticism, mysticism, asceticism, you name the ism and it was there. And like we are facing so many confusing and often deceptive isms today in our culture. Like they might sound different, but they can cause the same harm and they can can equally take away our freedom in Christ belief systems that are contrary to what God teaches us in his word. And they bring confusion and deception. Such a confusing time we live in. Well, hang on. And they were also relationally shipwrecked. Here's what I mean. All these different ideologies that they were hearing, understandably, they were causing infighting and division in the church. Like the Jewish Christians were accusing their Gentile brothers and sisters of not really being saved because they weren't following the Jewish laws. There was division uh, among which false teachers were actually telling the truth, if any of them were. Pride, pride was threatening to tear them apart as there were those that were receiving these special spiritual experiences and they were looking down on those who had not. That's the context. Anyone faced relational troubles, strains, challenges, conflict at work, marriage difficulties, family problems? Yeah, I mean, these days, they're so polarized. The days in which we live, like like, pick a flag up, stick it in the ground and do not move no discussion, no respectful discourse, no understanding. Well, hang on, hang on. Because this three-part blessing that the Apostle Paul speaks over these followers of Jesus, it's, it's not just their desert island survival kit. It's not just their care package sent with tremendous love. It wasn't just their final words to a dear spouse, a prayer for a departing friend. It wasn't just their words of wisdom passed on to a child as they leave to navigate the tricky journey of life. This blessing we're going to consider today, it wasn't just their good word. This is our survival kit. This is our care package. This is our wisdom, our blessing. This is our good word. This is our good word. And Paul is saying, here are three things that I pray over you. Three pieces of wisdom that I want to give you as you seek to follow Jesus in a challenging world. Three blessings I want for you and in your life so you can thrive and experience all that God has for you. So let's go. Okay, the first blessing in our Desert Island Survival Kit, verse 15, the peace of Christ. Okay, the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Okay, in the Bible, there are several different kinds of peace that God offers us. There is a Godward peace. That's the peace like we now have with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says where we were once enemies with God, we are now friends with God through Jesus. We now have peace with God. That's awesome. But that's actually not the peace that's being mentioned here. And there's inner peace, the peace that we can have in our hearts, whatever life throws at us, because we know that our God is good. Because we know that he loves us beyond words and we can be confident in his promises because they are trustworthy and they are true. This is like the Philippians four piece. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray to God and he will provide us with the supernatural peace so good. That's actually not the kind of peace being referred here in Colossians three either. The desert island peace that Paul tells us to pursue and praise over us is a communal peace, a relational peace, peace with one another. The entire context of Colossians chapter three in the verses that precede this, well, they're, they're all entirely relational. And the first good word that we're going to look at is about a peace that brings blessing. But it's a peace that's only found between people, between you and I in relationships. Now, let me first say what that doesn't mean. This does not imply passivity. It doesn't mean that we don't take action and stand up for what is right and true. In fact, often letting peace rule It means standing up for justice and truth when no one else will. It also doesn't mean like overlooking sin. That's actually false peace because it's sin that steals our peace. It doesn't mean not having tough conversations. Sometimes peace is actually impossible without having awkward and sometimes difficult conversations. And all the people who hate confrontation, like myself, just went gulp. (laughs) And it doesn't mean that every relationship in our life will be honky dory, kumbaya, holding hands around the campfire with no conflict. That's just not our reality. But what it does mean is is that as followers of Jesus, to experience the life that God wants us to experience and to represent him where we live and work and play, we are to be people that pursue reconciliation and whole relationships as just like a way of life. There is a communal peace we must wholeheartedly pursue, not just to survive in the desert island of of this world of life, but to thrive in it. And the communal peace that Paul is talking about here is a peace that doesn't stop trying. It's a commitment in as much as it is up to us to never give up to always work towards reconciliation and to never close the door on the possibility that God might restore a relationship in our life that is strained. This peace is a rejection of selfishness and an embrace of humility and grace. It's Romans 12:18 peace. Peace, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now this peace that Paul tells us to, to let rule in our hearts is so important. Our relationships are so important that they make, they make the top three list of this prayer from Paul to this church, to us. And you know, I love the word rule here, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It's a strong word. the Greek word used here for rule is literally used to refer to a judge or a referee in a sporting event. Okay, like think about uh, that moment when there's a disputed goal in a hockey game and the referee goes over to the booth to watch a replay of the goal like 30 times. And then he skates back to center ice and he looks at the camera while we all bite our nails and we wait for his decision. Is he going to wave it off or is he going to point to center ice and say, good goal? What Paul is saying is that in all of our relationships, we are to allow the peace of Christ to act like a referee, to make the final call. So what would it look like if in every conflict we had, every frustration we encountered with somebody else, we let it pass through the filter of the peace of Christ? We allowed peace to be the referee. What if we allowed our attitudes and our actions in these instances where we're in conflict with somebody to be looked at in slow motion, like 30 different times from 30 different angles to determine if we are doing our utmost to pursue peace, to chase after reconciliation, to reject selfishness, to embrace humility and grace. That's the call of Colossians 3.15. That's how important this is. So why? Why would Paul include this and put such emphasis on relational or communal peace? Why would this be a desert island blessing for us? Well, because Jesus said, if we choose to follow him, love is not negotiable. Relationships are not negotiable. Because the way God's children treat and interact with each other is the clearest example to the world about who he is and what he's like. And because God knows the damage that relational strife and conflict does to us, in us. Like we might not want to admit it, but war with other people causes a war inside our souls. Body, soul, and spirit all affected by conflicted relationships. And because unforgiveness and relational mess actually acts like a ceiling between us and God. You know, sometimes I wish Matthew 6, 15 was not in the Bible or that I could come up with some theological argument to prove that it doesn't mean what it says. but it is in the Bible and and I can't. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. It's why Jesus said, before you come with your offerings to God in the temple, go find your brother who you're in conflict with and make it right and then come back to God. See, relational peace, it's not a helpful tip. It's essential. It's a spiritual life preserver. It's a desert island blessing to ensure that we don't die alone there. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The second blessing in our spiritual survival kit, the word of Christ, verse 16, Let the word of Christ, some translations say the message of Christ, dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, let the word of Christ dwell richly. Let the message of Christ dwell richly. The word dwell here comes from the Greek word oikos, which is the word used for home or family or estate, a permanent residence. What it's saying is let the the word of Christ live in you. Let it saturate you like like a, a, a water, like water filling a sponge. Don't just get into the words of Christ, let the words of Christ get into you. There's a difference. Let them live in you. Let them fill your house. Go from the outside of your intellect into the very inside of your being and take residence in your heart. Let the words of Christ do that. Dwell richly. Let them oikos in you. And then teach and admonish other people with them. Let the words of Jesus, the word of God, become so profoundly personal to you that you actually can't keep them inside. So when you have a friend who's struggling, encourage them with the words of Jesus. If your kids are discouraged, remind them of the promises of God when the arrows and the daggers of this cruel world pierce your skin and your soul, bleed out the words of Jesus because they're dwelling in you. Squeeze the sponge and let God's words pour out. So, why is this on the list? Why is this in the survival kit? Why do we need this on the desert island of this life? Why is this such a blessing? Well, because it's it's not just a good word, it's the good word. Okay, look at the results. It results in in wisdom, admonish one another with all wisdom. When the word of Christ lives in you, you receive this incredible gift of wisdom. When we face confusing and often troubling decisions in life, we have a virtual lifeboat called wisdom. It's exactly what Paul wrote to Timothy when he said in 2 Timothy 3.15, the scriptures make us wise, to salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It results in worship, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. When we discover Jesus in God's word and allow his words to live in us, nothing will be able to stop worship from pouring out of our souls. Like worship will be the byproduct of a living, breathing, authentic experience with Jesus when his word dwells in us when his words become the food that we eat and the, and the water that we drink. And it re- results in thankfulness with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, where selfishness and grumbling and entitlement act as like a damaging heat that scorches our souls on the desert island of life. Gratitude, thankfulness acts like a re- rep- replenishing shade. It provides us with spiritual energy and vitality. And the more we allow the words of Christ to live in us, we just become more thankful people. I have a friend right now who's been living on a desert island called Serious Illness. And I've had like the privilege of of seeing this play out, work itself out in his life over the past many months. The word of Christ, the the word of God has become a literal lifesaver for his soul, his food, his water, his shelter. Okay, he's not been just getting more of the words of God. He's allowed the words of God to get more of him. He hasn't just carried the word of God with him. He's allowed the word of God to carry him. It doesn't mean there haven't been dark days because there have hard days, confusing days, but it has resulted in wisdom when he needed it. It has resulted in worship, if you can imagine as a byproduct despite everything going on and despite the struggle, he has been thankful, grateful for God's mercies instead of bitter because of his circumstances. And the word of Christ has become a a shield, a shade from the scorching sun of this profound challenge. The word of Christ, it's dwelling in him. And it's changed everything. And it's changing those around him. And the final blessing in this three-piece survival kit is the name of Christ. What could possibly be in a name? How could a name be a blessing or a good word as we navigate the desert island of this world? the name of Jesus, what's that all about? And yet this blessing ends with these words, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, whatever you do, word or deed, okay, that pretty much covers everything. Everything you say, every word that you say, every deed, every, everything you do, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Essentially he's saying, pass everything in your life through this filter. Am I doing this in Jesus' name? That's the question he's asking. On the desert island of this life, you're going to want to have the name of Jesus in your backpack. You see, it's important to remember that in ancient cultures, names had deep, deep meaning. Parents didn't just find a name in a a baby book and say, I, I kinda like the name Barnabas, you know? After all, it was your uncle's name. It's got a nice ring to it. No, names were actually representative of the purpose and identity of the one being named. Adam was the first man. Eve meaning to breathe and live. Abraham meaning father. Father Abraham, the father of many nations. Moses meaning to draw out as God drew out his people from Egypt. Peter meaning rock. What's in the name There's so much in a name. And Jesus, the name through which Paul is saying we should do all things, means Yahweh saves. See, built right into his name is a description of his primary function to save. And that's why his name Jesus is not just a blessing on the desert island of this often difficult and dark world his name is the blessing. Yahweh saves, God saves, Jesus. You see Jesus isn't just an item in our survival kit of life. You know we don't just put Jesus beside beside a, a a wise investment portfolio for our retirement, or a healthy diet and fitness program so we can experience the most in life. Jesus isn't just a piece of our survival kit. He's the rescue ship, Jesus. So we need to remember, Mary and Joseph didn't name him. God named him. And you will call him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. And ever since he arrived in our midst, his name has been like any other name. His name is our comfort in life and our hope in death. His name is our hope in a hopeless world. His name is our peace when the battle rages. His name is our rock when the storms rage and threaten to overtake us. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven given among where, whereby anyone can be saved. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us that God gave him the name above every other name. This name Jesus is above every other name. And every tongue must confess that that name, that he is Lord, meaning master. You know, sometimes dropping a name, you ever drop the name? I think we all have, It it can help us out in life. Right? If we're in a sticky situation or we want to impress somebody, we maybe drop the name of somebody important that we know. Oh, did I mention I'm a, I'm a friend of so and so? Well, when it comes to eternity, life. Now and for eternity with our creator, reconciled, forgiven, abundant life, there are no other names that we can drop that will help us out. In that moment, there's only one name that matters. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Life can sometimes seem like a desert island, yeah? Lonely, dangerous, sometimes uncertain. You know, sometimes we're not sure how we got to this place and we're not sure how to get home again. If that's you today, God speaks this blessing over your life, the peace of Christ. There's a peace available with God and with, with, with people in your life. Inner peace with God is actually impossible without communal peace with other people. Think about it. In this conflicted world, peace, like how good does that sound right now? The word of Christ, there are words of life, words of love, words of hope, words of healing, words of truth, and God speaks them over you. Words that are meant not just to enter your ears, but they enter our heart. And if you allow them to live in you, they will change your life. But this peace and these words they're only available through a name, the name of Christ, Jesus. The one If who in whom, if you allow him, if you call out to him as Lord, he will come and he will rescue you from the desert island of our sin, our brokenness. And he will seal you for the incredible hope of the next world, yet God saves. And so let's apply God's word to our lives today, shall we? You know, Andrew spoke last week as he kicked off our series about how God is a speaking God. Right, God speaks affirming words of blessing over his children, that's amazing. But equally amazing is that God gives us the same privilege, the same opportunity, the same responsibility really to speak words of life that can change a life. And so who do you know in your life right now that might be feeling like they're living on a desert island? Maybe starving spiritually maybe isolated and lonely, maybe afraid, maybe uncertain, who do you know? How can you speak blessing over them this week by speaking the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ, Jesus into their lives. I encourage you to do that. And witness the power of blessing, a good word. Hey, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this blessing. We thank you for this good word and we receive your, your spiritual survival kit today. Help us to pursue the peace of Christ in all our relationships. May the word of Christ dwell richly inside of us. Let your words make their home in our hearts. And let the name of Christ be the banner we live our lives under. For our good and his glory, We pray these things in the name of the one who saves, Jesus. Amen.